everyone, and welcome to the uh, 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 Utter Talk, episode 674. I'm Kaya Goldstein, speech therapist and person who stutters, here with John Hendrickson, a senior editor for the Atlantic Magazine and person who stutters. Today, we'll be talking about John's journey of coming face-to-face with his stuttering these past few months, starting with his groundbreaking interview with former Vice President Joe Biden. John Hendrickson is a senior editor for the Atlantic, where he edits and writes stories across the spectrum of politics. For the January-February 20 issue, John wrote a feature about Joe Biden's lifelong journey with stuttering and his own. The uh, uh, article has been read by over a million people and was named one of the best stories of 2019 by Longform. John is now working on a book about stuttering, life on D-E-E-E-E-E-E-L-A, and is interviewing people who stutter from all over the world. John, it is such an honor to have you on this show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Kaya. It's uh, great to be here. After your uh, 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 article with the former vice president went viral, you were featured on MSNBC, CNN, NPR, WNYC, just to name a few. After that, you were a keynote speaker for the National Stuttering uh, Association Conference and most recently honored by the uh, American Institute for Stuttering. So, John, did you ever expect this series of events to happen to you? Never. Um, You know, you and I are talking in early August, mid-August here. I'm not sure when this episode will actually air, but it's mid-August. And this time last year, I was about two weeks away from interviewing Vice President Biden. And I was reading his memoir and I was um researching his life and researching us I was watching old addresses that Biden gave to the National Stuttering Association and AIS and at that time before I had interviewed him, before I had written a word of my article, I barely talked about my stutter. I didn't really talk about it with friends or family. I didn't really talk about it all that much with my girlfriend. It was always just this this thing I carried around, and I, I thought of it as my problem. I felt very alone with it, 
and just this like it's like an appendage that I was not ignoring, but certainly not advertising and not embracing either. <laughs> and when I finally sat down with Biden, I found that his perspective on, on stuttering was actually relatively similar. You know, we've all heard him talk about his boyhood stutter, and we've heard him talk about overcoming overcoming stuttering. But we haven't heard him talk about living with the stutter as an adult. I think for a lot of people, we don't talk about it at all, and we do suppress it. But writing this piece thrust me into not only the public public spotlight, but it opened up this whole new dialogue with my family, my friends, my loved ones, my colleagues, just about my own journey. And then after my article was published, I suddenly became a member of the larger uh, stuttering community. And I didn't even know that community existed. So it's it's really been an eventful twelve months, and I'm 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 still very overwhelmed by it. And overwhelmed, and it 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 sounds like a lot of positive came out of it, and at the same time, I wonder: is there any? Um, challenges that come along with that overwhelm, having had something that you didn't talk about and uh, was very personal. Um, and suddenly you're engaging with it full force. I wonder what that's like for you. It has this dual effect of it being liberating and very freeing, but also it can sometimes make me feel like my my stutter is my entire identity now. And if you if you were to type my name into a search engine, I think the autocomplete would almost certainly be a stutter. And that's a, that's an interesting feeling. It's not, you know, I wouldn't call it negative, but I'd call it interesting because so many of us work our entire lives to be more than our stutter, to prove that we're more than our 
than our stutter. And to convince other people, be it at work or socially or otherwise, that we deserve a seat at the table, that we're quote-unquote normal people too. And so I basically just like threw all that out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and is it is it um ironic that the very thing that you were trying to be more than in a way has spearheaded your career in an entirely, um, I don't know if it's a new direction, but it definitely has, has opened up experiences and, and doorways that might not have been there before. Yes, absolutely. And prior to publishing this piece, I had never gone on TV or radio. I had never been a keynote speaker. I had avoided any type of public public speaking at all. I largely avoided the telephone. Sometimes I avoided even talking in meetings and, you know, simple everyday situations like that. So it opened up a lot of doors and it, it, it created a lot of opportunities um, that I, I certainly wouldn't have had. And I, I, I think about the irony of, of going on TV to talk about the fact that you have difficulties talking and to talk about the fact that you're scared to be on TV. It, you know, it's a, it's a total mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Um, that makes complete sense. So fill me in more on the past few months. Um, if you could like super charge the um, the moments that that have really stood out to you, and um, and take us there, I would love that. When I was midway through the Biden story, you know, I began working on it as I mentioned almost a year ago, exactly mid August, twenty nineteen. I interviewed him at the end of August, and then I uh, followed him on the campaign trail for a few days in New Hampshire. I uh, trailed him at a Colbert taping in New York. 
And all along, I was watching all the debates, all the major events. I was, uh, I was interviewing people um, who he grew up with, and his wife, his younger sister, all these people. So it was like months of reporting and trying to figure out the whole story. And then it was about at least a month, maybe more, of going through drafts. I think I went through five or six drafts of the piece. And in the middle of those drafts, um, a very good friend and a mentor to me, Mike Sager, said, long-time Esquire magazine writer. Um, he read it. He gave me feedback, gave me notes, and then he uh, signed an email, as he often does, with like a little joke, a little, a little positivity. And he said, OMG, you're going to have to go on TV for this. And at the time when I read that, you know, I never thought of that as, as even a possibility. I'm like, I can't go on TV. There's no way I'll do that. And then we published the piece a week before Thanksgiving online. It was on a Thursday. And I think it went up around 11 a.m. or so. And by five or six o'clock that night, I had a request to go on MSNBC uh, the next morning. So it was like, put up or shut up, you know? And I had to, like, make a decision. I couldn't waver. I had to just say yes or no. And my thinking was, you know, my piece challenged Biden to accept his assumptor. And if I was going to do that, it was only fair for me to publicly accept my own my own stutter. And it's it's one thing to write about it in the confines of an article, you know, when you have all control on the page and, and you're just writing out uh, some twittering sounds and whatnot. It's another thing to go to TV or radio. So certainly that very first TV appearance I did, you know, waking up early Friday morning, there's a black car outside to take me to 30 Rock to and go get makeup and go do TV, get a little earpiece in, all that stuff. You know, that was like a roller coaster. I, I, I really felt like, like I was at the beginning of a roller coaster where it's just, creeping up and up and up. And then you get to that peak 
right before it drops. And it's, it's only a little second there. If it feels like an eternity and you're, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, okay, there's no getting out of this. This is it. And that was just kind of this catalyst that, that showed me, okay, I, I, I conquered that fear and what else am I able to conquer? And then other opportunities presented themselves after that, uh, not least uh, the opportunity to write a book. All of that is amazing. Um, I think it's so encouraging to hear that you were willing to more or less practice what you preach. You know, it's like, how could you expect um, the former vice president to talk about something so personal if you weren't willing, meaning you were challenging him in your own way. So I really, um, I really respect that. Um, and all the opportunities that come after that, I do want to get there specifically about the book, but let's go back for a minute to when you were saying that you had no idea that there was an entire community of support available for you. And through this, these past few months, the series of EE events, you became aware of it. Um, you know, in a way you represent the typical person who stutters in the U S or really in many places, um, perhaps in other places across the world. Um, and what do you, what do you think is missing in that so many people are walking around feeling like they're the only one? And do you think there's something that can be done to reconcile that, to bring the community to the people and the people to the community? What I've been most impressed with are these initiatives at um, places like AIS and say and NSA and friends and elsewhere is that a lot of the focus really is messaging to young people who stutter and telling them it's okay. And there, there really does seem to be a, a shift away from this beat it or bust mentality and you know beat it or bust cure it get rid of it get past it talk normal those were the messages that I was receiving from age four to about age 16 or so. And then I, I finally went to a therapist uh, at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, Joe Donaher is his name. And his entire methodology uh, could be summed up in 
two words, and that's just better, better. And it, you know, it was like, I'm going to teach you how to stutter better. And that's a lot different than there's something wrong with you. And it, you know, it was an empowering message and it was a realistic message and it was, a, it was attainable. And so I think to answer your question as far as actually like bringing more people into a community, it, uh, I think it's on SLPs and counselors and other people um, who are advising parents to even tell them that a community um, exists and to make sure they know that their kid isn't the problem. He isn't out there alone. He or she or they are not out there alone. And that they can live a normal life as a person who, person who stutters and that a normal life is not contingent on achieving fluency. And I'm I'm with you um, 100. Um, I what I what I wonder is, are we missing people? Meaning, in a way, I think you you represent um, somebody who um, who would have benefited from that kind of messaging earlier. Um, your SLPs and parents may not have had this information. Let's just say early enough. So at 16, you got excellent, excellent help, right? And that's when the messaging changed. But let's just look at the community piece. I wonder how, how, how did that pass you by for so long? And, and, you know, I'm just using you as, because we're chatting now, but I really think that there are so many adults who stutter that don't know that they're not alone in this. And so that's, that's really what my question is. And if you have any thoughts, I I, want to hear about them. Before last year, I had only met maybe four or five other people total in my entire life who uh, stuttered. Coincidentally, one of them was the guitar player in a band I was in in college um, his name was Rob and Rob told me that I was the first person he met who, who stuttered as well and so we're always you know told that it's one percent of the population that it's three million Americans seventy million 
worldwide. I find that inspiring. I find it mesmerizing. But I'm also like, okay, if it's one out of 100 people, why was I the only person in my high school class who has stuttered? And I'm, I'm trying to figure out some of these questions in my book as I'm, I'm just getting going on the project. But a big part of it is also talking to my parents and my family and old SLPs and asking some of these questions you're asking me. Like, why did it happen this way? And the the prospect of, of doing those interviews both excites me and it terrifies me. Yeah. And it and it sounds like that the messaging was off, meaning if stuttering needs to be done away with and hidden, right, then perhaps there is more than one out of 100 people who stutter, but be it that it's spoken or unspoken, if we believe that stuttering should be done away with, then perhaps that's why so few people on the surface stutter. You know, back to your comment where you're saying that there's there must be more. And I agree with you, by the way, John. Oh, exactly. And there's this whole vast community of coverts, covert stutters. And I've, I've gotten something in the neighborhood of about a thousand emails about the Biden piece. And many of them, I would say, you know, Couple dozen at, at least are people um, who identify as covert stutterers, and there are even people who say, "I've never told anyone this in my life. I've been walking around with this secret, and then they don't be the secret." I think it is just this this thing that. We don't talk about all that much as a culture, as a society that we're taught to tamp down, that we're taught to beat and overcome and end it and leave it in our rearview mirror. And that's that. I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, my my connection went a tad offline for a second that we that we were taught to be what and that's unfortunate um we were taught to just get rid of it and just leave it in our rearview mirror and get past it and overcome it and that's that yeah yeah so so now john you have been talking about it so much and in so many wonderful ways. How has that changed your relationship with your stuttering in these past few months? The biggest difference, I think, is that it's it's 
made several friendships more comfortable. And it's it it's been uh, pleasurable and and surprising to have numerous friends tell me that they just understand me better and they just they have a deeper sense of who I am and they didn't you know like me any less because I because I stuttered I get the sense that they didn't care all that much but they they're just a little more clued in to what daily life is like for people who stutter. And the same goes for some colleagues and family members. So I think it's, I think it's deepened a lot of personal relationships, but it's also introduced me to the larger uh, subduttering community, both at events and over email and uh, support groups, everything. And it's hard to imagine going backwards. Well, it sounds like you're going to be moving forward, full throttle. Let's talk about your book, Life on Delay. So what is it about? And I understand that it's still in the process of being made. So tell us how one might be able to get involved. This book and this project totally scares me. And I think the only way that I can I can deal with that fear is to talk about it. In short, this is a nonfiction book. I think the publisher would prefer to call it a reported memoir. It'll be a mix of my story as a person who stutters, but also the stories of people who people who stutter from all over the world. And my goal um, is to weave it all together. Because one thing I've learned over the past year is we've all had unique experiences as people who stutter, but Mm -hmm. 
there's also a lot of universality to it. And certain events like the first day of, day of school or reading out loud or talking on the telephone or ordering food in a restaurant, we've all faced those demons. So I wanted to just be representative of our of our shared experience. My my plan is to interview uh, some other famous folks like Joe Biden, you know, other accomplished folks, but also tons of everyday people. And I want to just create a portrait of what this is like. Beyond the being a science book or a biology book, I really see it as a sociology book in that I'm, I'm less interested in, in academic studies, academic papers, and more interested in real stories from real people. wonderful something that you had said john like you want to weave it all to together um i'd like to think of the experience of stuttering it's a very universal one like everyone no matter where you live across the world has experienced this something very, very similar when it comes to stuttering. So it sounds like you want to capture that. Is that, is that so? Yes. And um, I'm particularly interested in the way that people live with it and the way that people go about their daily lives with it. And there are two animating questions I'm considering at the onset of this book. And I, you know, I, I'm a little, uh, I have a little trepidation about giving it away. Although I think that anybody listening to this podcast would be a great person to interview. So I feel fine giving it away. But my two main questions are, how have you dealt with the shame that accompanies us? That's some guttering. How have you worked through that shame, I think people are at all different places with those questions, and I think it'll be fascinating to get a range of answers. 
The second question is more personal, and that's how do you you make peace with those who instill that shame in you. Maybe that person is yourself. Maybe that that person is a an old friend or or family member or teacher or camp counselor or you know anything. But we all have those those ghosts of our past. Like, what do you do with those ghosts? Wow. Yeah, John, you're hitting on something so deep. And I think it it's like that treasure chest at the bottom of the ocean that hasn't been found for who knows how long. I think you're going to find a lot, a lot of wisdom and a lot of hurt and, 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 and grief. But um, these conversations sound so important. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're going to be having them. If there's someone that is listening, and this resonates with them, is there a way for them to get involved and how so? Yes. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you tossing this out there. The name on the, the name of the book is life on delay. It, it, it doesn't exist yet. I haven't written a word of it and I've only just begun doing interviews for it. Um, but I, I set up an email address for it, which is life on delay book at gmail.com. And I've been uh, corresponding with people who, people who stutter all summer and I'm going to really focus on interviews over the next year or so. And then if all goes well, the book will come out in about two years. Amazing. So life on delay book at gmail.com. And I'll make sure to attach that at the end of the episode, um, as well as with your, um, your article for Joe Biden's, um, the conversation that you had with him and, um, other, other interviews that, that you've had. So John, um, there's, there's really so much that we could talk about really for hours. Um, but we may then need to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we will wrap it up for tonight. And um, I want to, to thank you because you brought so much attention and conversation to stuttering with the piece, with that brave step that you took when you wrote it. And then every step thereafter going on TV and just moving forward. So um, from, from, from me to you, but I'm sure that on behalf of all of those who stutter, uh, thank you so, so, so much for what you're doing. 
Um, I'm going to, like I said, put in all the links to the great work that you've done so far. And um, before we log off, I wanted to know if there is something that you would like to share with the listeners, be it something we talked about or maybe someone who is, this is their first time tuning into Stutter Talk and is hearing you talk about stuttering for the first time. Well, first off, let me just uh, say thank you again for having me. And I really admire the work that you do and your colleagues do. And I think it's, I think it's a great service to the, uh, to the uh, stuttering community as a whole. The main thing, um, main thing on my mind right now, you know, as I as I mentioned at the at the top of the podcast, it's it's mid August when we're talking, so there are there are eighty three days until the election as of tonight. And Joe Biden and Donald Trump will likely hate each other. It isn't guaranteed, but it's 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 likely two or three times um, over these next 83 days. There is a a decent chance, I would say there's even a good chance that President Trump or people around him mock Biden and call him a call him a a, 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 a Duttering Joe. And that'll be a really interesting pivotal moment for this stuttering community. And I think that people who stutter may have friends and family members and colleagues um, talk to them about that if and when it occurs. And I think it'll be a, a difficult conversation, but it's, it's an opportunity and it, beca- it can, it can turn from a, a painful moment to a doorway and you can walk through that door and you can talk about your life a little bit. And I think it will just be a a really interesting time in American culture and American discourse and the 
quote unquote national conversation to see how people will react if and when that happens. What do you think, Kaya? Yeah, well, so I I think that stuttering is in the spotlight more than it has been ever before on a national level. Agreed. I think that it is an opportunity to walk through that doorway, as you said, a scary one, which is why I would gently want to remind everyone that there is a community of support. Um, the NSA, friends, say all these wonderful oh, 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 organizations that are there to support you to hold hands while he walked through that doorway. Um, uh, yeah. So John, um, I'm with you. I think this is a, a time that is ripe. Um, and my, my, my hopes are that um, even the, the tough times that come out of this, cause I'm sure there will be jokes made, but that hopefully it can be used to elevate the conversation and to move it in a direction that will create the positive change that stuttering desperately needs. I hope so as well. Well, we will end off on a hopeful note. Thank you, John. It's been such a joy speaking with you about stuttering. And if you will, uh, of course, I would love to continue this conversation. Thank you so much, Haya. Really appreciate it.